Welcome to the Horizon Zero podcast about what we think, what we say, what we see, and what we don't see in a digital world fast merging with the rest of life. Where that goes is up to us. Will it be coexistence, conflict, harmony? I can't tell you the future, but what I can tell you is we can be ready for any of them. So let's dive in. Hey everybody, welcome to episode two of the Horizon Zero podcast. I'm Mark Fidelli with my kid brother, Matt Fidelli, an IT expert and service member, a Marine, who is with me today at beautiful Sebago Lake in Maine, not far from Portland. So we've been thinking a lot about family and kids, and I wanted to use this episode to take it back uh, when we were young, as it were. My brother and I both had an interest in tech. I, uh, I think my first computer was a Commodore 64, or it was a VIC-20 that Pappy, Dad's dad, gave me, gave us. And I didn't know, I had the floppy drive and a TV monitor. Do you remember those days? I remember the Commodore, that was it. The Com- and then we had the Commodore 64 shortly after that. What was your first uh, experience uh, on the computer and... Just take me back to how you were inspired to become what you've become. Well, interesting enough, it was Windows 3.1 or 10 or 11, Windows 2, and you showed me how to open up File Manager. Yeah. And I kind of just played with it, broke it on purpose to see if I could fix it. I failed at that, but I learned from my mistakes. Then uh, I read books that other people had read, or I had written. You know, from the public library and how to program the computer properly. I kind of just took it from there. So you're pretty self-taught? Pretty much, yeah. I did go to school, you know, towards, you know, after high school, but a lot of the stuff I was doing in, high, in college was stuff I already learned, so I kind of just breezed through it. And then I was one of those people that unfortunately dropped out and then went into the rank work because I feel like I was not going the right path I wanted to go to. Yeah. Well, so... Let's 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 get to that. But first, I want to hear you say one more time. So I inspired you to this technical career that you have had flourish recently, as we'll talk about. And but I know I'm joking. Just kicking around, being curious, showing you things, and it just sparked something. Well, I think if you, I always had a knack for taking stuff apart, as you always beat me up for. No, you're good at that. I remember. Uh, but I don't. I think if you never showed me how to do that, I probably would have never gotten in, into it. That's so funny. I was too afraid to break something. You know, it, yeah, I gave you kind of a license as the older brother. Like, look, dude, you'll be fine. Mess around in here, see what you can learn, and then you kind of took it from there. Right. And you have to remember, back in the, in the late '80s, early '90s, computers were four thousand dollars for a desktop. Right. And so I was afraid of breaking Dad's brand new computer and finding yeah. out that you, know, you waste all that money on nothing. Yeah, I wasn't well, even thinking about someone who could repair it. That right. was never in my mind. It was I broke it, and that's the end of it. So I was scared. You kind of held my hand through it. <laughs> that's funny. So I do remember Dad didn't know a lot about computers. He used them for work, like a lot of people, I'm sure. Right, and just bought one and kind of right. led us to our own devices to figure yeah. out what to do. Yeah, he like word, did word processing because he had to, and probably a few spreadsheets. Those were like the early days of Office and Windows. Really, Dawson was still the main thing. Well, so what I remember is learning basic as a programmer, right? Like, and logo in computers in class in school. Right. And then I went to a computer camp. All my buddies went to, like, soccer camp. And I was an athlete, right? And I remember one year my mom, our mom, was like, (laughs) it's funny, this was like at Ben Lomond Regional Park in Manassas, Virginia. I almost remember it because it was me during recess and I was like killing these kids because I was like, you know, I was an athlete and most of them were 10 times smarter than me at computers. So I had to like get them in recess. And they, I don't know, fourth, fifth, you know, the same age as Luca and Zach were really talented. Like they just had a knack for it. So when when I saw that, I was like, uh, I'm going to stick with sports. And I kind of chose at that moment to not do computers right. during the camp. What What was it for you that got, I don't know, the light bulb? career-wise, that you could do this and do it well? 
Well, I, I chose different jobs and different aspects of life to figure out what it is for me. Yeah. But I was still messing and breaking stuff on purpose <laughs> just to find out how it works. I, mean, I can tell you how a four-cylinder engine works just by looking at it. I can yeah. tell you where things are just by looking at it. But for the computer part, I really didn't return to it until, you know, probably right before high school. Middle school, I didn't have that much of an interest in it. I was playing with, you know, friends and outside. And I spent a lot of time doing that. But I wanted to test myself in, in, as a freshman in high school. And I took a computer class just to see what I... It was kind of to see what I knew. Yeah, and just to test yourself. Go. Right. If I didn't do well, then I, would, I could just drop the class or, or not do it the next year. And so actually, I, I excelled pretty well at it. It was um, computer basics, I think is what it was called. And, yeah. Uh, it was just... Here's the mouse. Here's how you change text. It was pretty basic. I mean, it was, it was still Windows 2000 or Windows 98 back then, I guess. And games, but nothing, nothing technical. Right. Once I took the class, I actually started getting interested back into it, and I wanted to keep doing it. So I chose to do technology courses from then on forth, and that was it was a choice between a foreign language right. or technology. And so I chose technology. No, that's good. So where we're gonna where I want to go with the show is sort of the roots, the organic family, right? Like family and tech. Lots of kids play games. Lots of kids have a lot of screen time. Lots of kids of tech titans from Silicon Valley are not allowed to play a lot on video games and right. what we call in our house screens. We keep screen time down. But yeah, Facebook and, and Google are high, you know, profile companies that do not want their kids on the screens themselves. Yeah. Right, and I know one of the most famous examples, a guy from around our way, Sean Parker, he um, went to Herndon High School, I think, and was one of the early, was one of the founders of Napster, and then one of the, may, may have been the first president of um, Facebook, and I actually met him one time when we were, I was part of an incubator company, a venture capital company that incubated early stage companies, and for those who don't remember Plaxo, we all thought they had a chance to beat LinkedIn and the early 2000s and he was part of that company impressive guy anyway i've always tracked him and take taken account of what he says kind of seriously and he's been pretty outspoken about about that so about limiting your kids screen time right. about the way social media caters to the dopamine experience in all of us where we get the fast reinforcement of a like of a retweet of our status going up so now I want to sort of get to this, but I just want listeners to know where we're going. Families have a responsibility to be the first line of defense against the invasion or just the dependence of tech, right? Like our dependence on it. And as dads, I think we saw here like the benefit of just unplugging most of the day and just enjoying nature, right? Right. No. And family time and things we've been trying to get to experience for a while now. And that's maybe the message for this show is just what we already know is that technology can't replace relationships, right? No. And even in your technical experience, there's nothing you do. You spend time with people, right? The personal side of tech, like tell people about Ask IT Matt, your radio program and what you've learned by becoming a radio personality and somebody who does tech support on air in uh, in Delaware. Right, so I've got this show where you call in a, a number and you're live on the air on a, a statewide radio broadcast where you just ask me questions about your, your issues you have with your devices. doesn't matter what it is. I'm, I've gone from printers to cell phones to laptops to desktops to the cloud, explaining what the cloud is to you know people who are afraid to even touch it. Right. Um, but really, it's, it's a community that... Of, of non-tech people who are coming together and I'm finding out that people are actually talking to other people who have heard the show and don't feel comfortable being on the air and I, it's a very uncomfortable experience right. when I first started I was actually terrified of being on the air hey my voice is being broadcasted to the, the outside world and, and not hearing it back or hearing feedback right away, it was right. a scary thing so people are reaching out to other people that I've talked to and finding out what the, hey, do you know what this is or what this problem is? And no, why don't you email Matt? You know, you can. The show isn't strictly a phone call conversation. It's right. an email conversation. It's, 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 it's like a group chat. Right. It's, it's with a radio. Fa it's a Facebook, you know, conversation. I, right. I, I chat 
with people all the time with it. So what, what Mark is talking about for the family responsibility is we are so addicted to our screens that we have to have the instant gratification of a like, a tweet. Um, you know, I, I've seen people stare at their phones waiting. They post a picture and waiting for that first like. Yeah. That's not what it's, it's about. It's about Facebook. I, I remember when Facebook first came out. Yeah. I actually loved it. Because it was MySpace without all the junk. Right. It was a basic platform. People could come together and uh, just talk back and forth. Now it's grown into this multi-billion, trillion-dollar company that wants to get your information as much as possible and feed you that instant gratification that you should not have. I was lucky enough to grow up and and see the technology world evolve. I mean, think about it. We had the 8080 processor for a number of years, and now we skyrocketed to now, in 18 months, your computer's already outdated. Right. So from the slowness to now the fastness of technology in general, you know, when we were growing up, TVs were small, yep. they were expensive, yep. and maybe had color. Now we You remember have, black and white TV when we had that? I mean, our folks were always late adopters. Yes. Dad, Dad was in the civil service, right? Like, he worked for Fairfax County Juvenile Courts, so... And mom was home with us. Right. I don't remember the black and white TV, but I remember the first color TV. We yeah, had. I do too. <laughs> Which ended up being my my room TV. That was your uh, was that your monitor or that was your computer? No, that was, just, no, that was, just that was your TV. TV. Yeah, I had plenty of years attached to. <laughs> running through the, I'm sure you had that like running through the attic in some kind of crazy. Oh, I'm sure I did. Yeah. Well, that's why I wanted the pink room. Yes, right. my room was pink growing up. Not because you cared about that, but because it had the best uh, reception. It had a phone line and a cable line, or even the wall. <laughs> right. That's why I chose that room. And for whatever reason, I never painted it. Right. Who cared? Tech exactly. guys. Exactly. So, seeing technology evolve, I was able to watch the downturn of social interactions with people. If you look now today, just just do me a favor. Go to a restaurant and look at how many people are staring at their phones. That's right. No one's looking at each other. I went to a movie a year ago. I actually was very disappointed in the experience because everyone had their phones on. Yeah. I saw nothing but screens everywhere. Yeah. Probably, you know, hey, tweeting, hey, I'm watching you know, the new Avengers movie, or hey, look at me, I'm at the movie theater, ha ha, you're not here with me. No, I, we need to go back in time when we could just interact with the people and talk with the people. And yeah. Just so, let me, so, first of all, I want to say one thing, and then I'm going to let you plug your awesome radio show because I, I really enjoy it and I learn a lot from it, and I learn different things than you might think. But just to come back and frame, I don't know what you said as we need to go back in time. My view is that, uh, and you know this, we don't get to go back in time. What we have to do is take what we learned in the past and translate it into the digital future. I had this conversation with our mom today about she grew up in Maine, right? So. Um, not to divulge all the personal data because I think you have to be smart when you're even having a dialogue in public like this Um, but when they grew up in the mill town the company that you worked for decided which part of town you lived in based on which mill you worked in right and we have no idea So, so to me to move forward, you have to talk about institutions. One of my close friends and a guy who has a great podcast called The Long Game, John Ward, talks about institutions in broad terms across the country, but then in local terms, not just for Washington, but for anywhere you live. How do institutions help people grow up into able-bodied citizens, thoughtful people, not addicts to screens kind of that there's a competition with your screen life and your civic life and that institutions like uh, the local school district that your kids might be in and and you're on the PTA or the school board or just at meetings Um, certainly churches and faith-based communities are always part of that but there's something about your work the workplace like these mill towns back in the day where they had a big say in the regional or even municipal life that people lived. They mediated democracy. They mediated the national experience, the national cultural experience in a local way. And one of our concerns um, 
me and you and, and others like us is that the mediating role of local institutions are being totally displaced by screens, social media, who have an agenda that isn't local. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you see that in their data strategies, yeah. right? And so to, for us, you, you served in the Marine Corps, you fought in the Battle of Fallujah, you, you served as a support to an engineering um, detachment. So you understand technology's necessity. We're, we're never going out of a world where we have comms, where we have connectivity, like that's for, for here to stay. But the dialogue I want to be able to have and provoke people to have is rooted in family, rooted in an older sense, like you said, of municipal life. There's a guy named Yaval Levin, L-E-V-I-N. He's an intellectual, maybe the foremost conservative thinker in the world today, one of, and just a down-home ethic underlies his very big thinking about politics. And so much of it is, in this, and for me, it's summarized like this. Institutions used to form people for the challenges and demands of democracy. Now people use institutions to perform and grow their social media platform, right? So let's talk about institutions like the military who can take somebody like you or yeah. me or whomever right. and take that talent that you had for figuring out how to make things work, break things, put them back together. In the military, in the Marines specifically, it's adapt and overcome, right? Right. So they took what you had, which is a clear skill set, Right. which I had no inspiration other than to tell you, go ahead, you're free to use this space, you're not going to break anything. Off you went. And then institutions, this particular institutions, insp- institution, the Marine Corps, took you to the next level. Describe kind of your tr- technical transition and your personal transition a little bit. Um, and, you know, we're, look, we're freeform here. People who are listening, if you hear noise in the background, that's the breeze off the lake. That's people... Uh, water skiing and um, driving their boats around. Yeah, like we've been doing this week. So uh, I like to have the background scene to remind us that we're not in a studio. We're in a world. We're beings in the world, as they say. It, anyway, back to you, bro. Like, it, it, talk you, to me. If you can picture this, it's we're on a deck right now, looking at the lake. So there's a lake in the. We're looking at a yeah. lake. So compared to this, to, to staring at a screen and anything that you would find on a screen ever, which is better? Oh, this is way better. Yeah, that's what I, I tell I, my kids all the time. That's the battle we're in, right? Like I, this world, I'll say God made, or you might not say that, this world that we find ourselves in is amazing. Well, I, I, before I even get into what you want, you asked me yeah. before, I'm a, I want to piggyback yeah. on that. Go. The problem is kids have learned to, I wouldn't say learn, but they've changed their style of play from you know being outside to screens. Yeah, that's right. So they don't know how to play outside because we've allowed them to be on the screens, and that's all they see are screens, and, and their friends see screens, and that, so it's the community as a whole of I'm talking about the whole populace. Yeah, that's right. Community, state, whatever. The people you fought to defend, right? Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> but yeah, no, but you, you have a right to say that, not well, just like you're, I mean, as a citizen, you do. But well, I'm just saying, as people, as human beings, that's right. We've changed our way of thinking so I was when I grew up it was mom told us go out and play don't come back to lights turn back on right that doesn't happen now now we have kids who want to play on their iPads or their iPhones their Android whatever screen is involved is that's what it is today we need to go back to kicking the kids out and playing out in the wilderness they're going to get poison ivy they're going to get bit they're going to fall down they're going to cry that's just the end of it so if we can just continue that, then I think we'll have a, a better family dynamic and happier families. Because if you think about it, a lot of these families nowadays are very argumentative. They fight all the time. <laughs> you see that in like in like outside in public, right? In, like, in public, I want yeah. my screen. I want my screen. I right. saw, they, see they, this they all the time. Cry and complain for their screen, and then the mom or dad hands them the screen, and the kid's quiet for a while. That's not how you handle it. Right. And. Yeah, it's just my biggest gripe I have with technology today. Yeah. So, so okay. So, first of all, give us a plug for Ask IT Matt. Where can we find it? And then let's delve down into sort of the things that you see frequently or things you're asked about frequently. Well, you can find it at WDEL.com. So, that's www.wdel.com. 
I believe it's under features now. They moved it. And a section called Ask IT Matt. And all of my podcasts are on there from day one to now. Uh, it's Rick Jensen is, I, I kind of stole an hour from his show on Wednesdays between 2 and 3. And the phone number is 302-529-1017, I believe is what it is. It's on the website if, you, if I'm wrong yeah. with that. Um, Check it out. Don't fake. Ask IT Matt. And if you're in the Delaware area, that's Wednesdays at? Uh, between 2 and 3. 2 and 3 right. p.m. And if you want to Facebook message me, I'm the only Ask IT Matt on the Facebook world. So just that's you. search bar at the top, Ask IT Matt, all in word. You'll find me right away. Awesome. So there's my little plug right there. Good. So when you go back and think about the Marine Corps and what it enabled you to do with your native talents technically right so let's let's say we're not putting the toothpaste back in the bottle it's squeezed out mm-hmm. people are doing as we say at home I have such weird words about it doing screens or on screens or right. you know just their face absorbing what someone has put in front of them to trigger their dopamine experience and their continued engagement as opposed to this right this world we see around us what are people talking to you about well no i'm sorry i lost my train of thought <laughs> talk about the marine things. corps that's the next <laughs> that's the next question i want to ask you i apologize for those who listen i'm my brain like connects dots all the time i'm not as linear as i should be so thank you for listening that's what you get um but eventually we find the point and the point for this question is how did the marine corps take your native talent and turn it into part of america's most lethal fighting force my talent has always been technical and I come from a radio background. So back when I was in high school, I was actually part of uh, my high school's radio show. That's right. And then I went to... Watkins Mill Wolverines. (laughs) Sorry, I graduated there too. 97. You old. So I I, I wanted to join the Marine Corps because I saw my life going in in a bad direction. I went and talked to an Army recruiter and how that started. He he was just going to make me a grunt. Yep. The guy was just, just a rifle, go get shot at, whatever. <laughs> and he told me I had to leave for basic that day. And I told him, that's not going to happen because I need to get all my affairs in, in correct order and say goodbye to my family. And they said, well, if you leave, you can't come back. This was the Army? This was the Army telling me this. That's an in good engagement strategy. And I said, okay, well, if you're going to put it that way, then goodbye. And he was all flustered and upset at me, and I really don't care. And so I went to talk to a army recruiter, or you mean uh, Marine Corps? Uh, no, Air Force. Okay. And found out I couldn't fly. Right. Because my I have a bad eye. And I was like, well, fine. I'm, if I'm not going to fly, I'm not going to go in the, in yeah, the Air Force. Yeah, why would you be in the Air Force? Right. right I want to fly. You'd be part of the Chair Force, as they say. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not going to be the Navy. I just Ugh. that won't happen. Those my dogs. Go ahead. Whatever. I'm not going to be stuck on a boat for six months and. Yeah, not going to happen. As we, what were we in a boat all week? Anyway, back to the Marine Corps. Thank Denver you. Store. <laughs> so, once the Marine Corps, and uh, they said, yeah, we'll take you. And they did a test on me and found out that I was very technical yeah. and able to solve problems. They actually gave me a, a quiz that you had to have a right way of thinking to pass it. It was gears with a belt. It was multiple gears, and you had to answer which one is spinning in said direction yeah I, I aced it and uh, they said well what have you done in the past and i said well i was you know on radio and, and i did that for a little bit and i work on computers and i said well here's what we're gonna do we're gonna make it radio operator i said okay what's that and he goes well remember those guys you see with the radio packs in their back yeah. I said, well, we're going to put you with uh, the majors and the colonels and all that. I said, okay, fine. So I signed up for it. Total lie. Uh, what do you mean? Well, I've been with the infantry the entire time. Oh, they... They, they told me I'll be back in the rear. <laughs> they with, changed the orders. <laughs> I'll be back in the rear with all the high-ranking officials and... Give yeah. them, make sure they have comms. Yeah, that wasn't the case. I was with the grunts and... What is that because you were a reservist or is that because uh, just yeah. at active duty time, that was the need? That was the need of the yeah, time. Yeah. And so um, I know this is uh, not an IT question, but it's about why people are motivated to fight. And it's not so we can stare at our screens, right? And why people pay the price for the freedoms that we have, right? Are you so, always asking why I joined? Is that why you're No. Asking? So n- describe a little bit about your experience in theater. 
and oh. how you technically <laughs> totally used it. I was thinking about. Yeah, no. <laughs> in so you fought in the Battle of Fallujah in two thousand four or five. That was, was two thousand four. Two thousand four, and your technical skills were used how? I was in charge of protecting our unit against radio emitting IEDs. So be the the guys who use cell phones and to set off. Yeah. What is it's a cell phone attached to a bomb, and someone calls that said cell phone, and instead of the ringer going off, actually sends the, the electrical signal sent to the speaker to the detonator, and then it blows up. So the terrorist organizations figured out a hack on cell phones where you could call and that deton- that you plug it with C4 or whatever the ID is, and it blows it up. Right. Okay. So I was tasked with blocking. So you were a jammer. I was a jamming it. Got it. I can't go too much yeah, more into no, it, but that's just what I was the doing. Basic, the basic technical skill that you learned, adapt and overcome, was counter IED. Right. Okay. Now, did you use that technical skill to save lives? I'm sure I did. Right. I, I can't confirm. Right. You're I'm just not, doing, not, your, not, you're doing not, the mission. I'm not even going to say deny. I can't even confirm that I blocked any signals. All yeah. I know is I blocked any chance of signals yeah. being sent. Right. But that's part of what the institution of the military does is it goes out and it deploys its talent and technical acumen in the battlefield all the time to prevent loss of American life, civilian life, etc. Things that are in alignment with our values. So I could go all the way down that road and maybe we'll, we'll do that next time um, just for, the, for its own sake. But... From a technical still skill standpoint, one bridge question, and then we'll get to your Ask IT Matt questions. Cyber. So, do you view cybersecurity as significantly different now, sort of in the corporate environment, or in you know, forget IT Matt end uh, users who you talk fine. to. Yeah, Let's go one level above I, I that. Yeah, this. corporate environment. Do you view? As a marine, sort of the, the the cyber world we're in, and what you know what they call great power competition now—Russia, China, even Iran, North Korea, others, non-state actors—do you now think like a marine all the time as a cyber sort of specialist? I mean, for lack of a better word, you're you're in IT and cyber, right? Like you have right. to be. I, I wouldn't say the Marine Corps is really an influence on it. I feel like I've always been that way. Yeah, but they amplified it and gave you right. a sense of the mission. Right. Yeah, that's uh, what I mean. Well, I've always wanted to, ever since I was a little kid, probably 10 years old, I wanted to join the Secret Service. That was a, my mission in life was to join the Secret Service. And never got a chance to get that far. So that's why I went to the military side. Right. I was like, oh, well, I'll just, that's, I see that as a step down, but still getting where I want to be. <laughs> Don't tell any Marine Corps recruiters there. But as a kid, that's what you thought, because it wasn't your aspiration. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> so what I've noticed in the, in the corporate side, I, I've been doing this professionally inside and outside of all departments of the government, Department of Justice, Ed, Energy, Interior, you name it, I've worked for it. And even just corporations and public corporations, they have a false sense of security. A lot of it has to do with money. They don't want to invest the money into keeping the security in place or to purchase the security because it costs too much and it hurts their bottom line. But if you look at it, all these major corporations, these billion-dollar companies, even banks, are being hacked. And if you slowly watch the feed over the past 10 years, these companies come out six months to a year, sometimes two years later, oh yeah, by the way, we got hacked and your stuff may have been compromised. They're afraid of, first of all, investing in the proper procedures and equipment. Then they're afraid of what people are going to retaliate with, with finding out their information got stolen. Right. So they delayed as much as they can and then deal with the fallout later on. Yeah. If they would have stopped thinking they're the best of the best and they have the best, talk to an IT consultant, talk to a cybersecurity consultant before you go and say you have the best stuff in the world. If Wells Fargo can get hacked, if Target of all places can get hacked yeah. by a simplistic credit card reader or whatever, 
right. it was a credit card reader, right? Might have been. I don't so remember they that. They got hold of someone's credit card or something. Yeah. Some, Target is a multi-billion. Yeah, and they have a, they have a world-class security operation. Right. I've if, met with some of those folks. They're not joking around. But so you're right. There's get, too many pat. There's too many holes to patch. Right. Right. So maybe find a company that maybe hires ex-hackers, which there are out there. Yeah. There are good guys out the there. The White House. Right. Have them look at the, your networks and have them evaluate how secure you are. Because your customer's information is the most important information you can have. That's right. Forget about your employee's information. Well, no. It, I'm getting, second, second to that. I'm getting some Yeah, I got you. If you don't take care of your customers first, you can't take care of your employees. Yeah, because you won't have a business. Right. That's right. So I got that, you. You just didn't let, let me get there. Yeah. So Copy. If you take care of your customer's information, it's easier to take care of the internal information. It's harder to take care of the public information. So if you hold on tightly to the public information, you can then further your business, pay your employees, and then have a successful business. That's, That's good. How you do it. No. So you said quite a few th- good things that are, are worthy of drill down and for listeners. So the whole purpose of the Horizon Zero podcast is if you look into the horizon, look downstream strategically. If you are only thinking about your bottom line, you are putting yourself at risk. Correct. In the world of, quote, cybersecurity, which is a strange name, really what we're talking about is information warfare. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the ability of others to impact your strategy, your business, your reputation, your brand. So for me, a unique angle I bring is millennials are our, our first digital natives, the first to be immersed in a world of screens, so to speak, digital experience and for those of us who have been in tech for 20 years in my case 20 year career so far all tech related um and you're at 15 years I'm now at 15 or, years professionally yeah I right mean, my, my 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 junior high school project was to create a network yeah so you've been <laughs> at this yeah from the beginning as part of who you are and so i view gen x as mainly a generation of builders of the tech world mm-hmm. Millennials are users and consumers and right. normalizers okay, of the tech okay. world. Baby boomer, baby boomers, older folks who don't think that their level of exposure is as deep and as broad as it is, that bias is a risk. Yes. So now let's fast forward. The biases and the general climate around tech. So ask IT Matt, what questions are you asked by typical consumers why does my cell phone slow down okay which is plan obsolescence i don't care what apple says or what google says about android i I see both sides so yes they're trying to cram more features into a phone into an older phone right which will slow it down but apple got caught with slowing down the processor because of the battery life issue that they had and also cramming more stuff on the update, so they've already the cat's already out of the bag. Apple For among the, so among tech people, but not among users. Right. So they don't know that they're they trying to do that. too so much. They're asking about it. Right. Got I, it. Go along with it. Got it. I'm just laying down the, the yeah. sort of the land here that Apple's already been caught right. doing this, but it took enough people to cry about it for them to expose it. Right. And a lot, a lot of people are asking me, why do I need to buy a new phone? You know, when I had my flip phone, it was fine. I had it for 10 years and survived. Well, these are now computers. Yeah, right. They, they actually are computers. They have RAM, they have storage space, they have a processor, which is what computers have. So they're little tiny computers in your pocket that do amazing things like GPS, surf the web, play yeah. YouTube videos. Right. And so it's hard for a, a person of age an older age right to understand what these things are doing and why they're doing they're expecting X and it does Y yeah so they have a mentality based in many many years pre-digital right and the digital world moves faster and changes faster than anything they've experienced in their whole coming of age to their leadership years right that I mean that to me my, my, my graduate research what started me similarly down a path of I found my talent in kind of research, communications, thinking big picture, and then turning that into 
I don't know, you know, kind of basic analysis in the realm of generational change. And what has stood out to me in, I started in uh, junior year of college on this. And so, gosh, we're 20 plus years. So I was first looking at boomers and Gen X. Now millennials, Gen X, boomers together make up almost all the workforce. You're dealing with people who are multiple generations, but in your experience, which again ties back to my research, there there's generation gaps that are exacerbated, to use a funny word, made larger than you would think because the difference between the speed that, didn't, that digital natives, i.e. millennials, have to adapt to change mm-hmm. and the speed that boomers adapted to change, they're like one is linear and the other is a hockey stick, right? Like it's just growing exponentially. New updates, more processing power, next is 5G, before you know it, AI, after that, whatever. You know, who knows what we're talking about that. Wearable computing, embedded computing, transhumanism, like it'll happen really fast. Whereas I would think baby boomers, maybe their sense of history is they sense how fast things change and that is incorrect. That's a bias. It's an, I mean, it may be true, but more likely, for those of us who have been in tech, the world's going to fast change faster than their leadership models can handle. Right. Would you agree with that? I would, yes. Okay. It's sad to... I mean, it's not sad. I wouldn't say sad's right. Yeah, word, it's a challenge, right? It's a thing we have to deal with. It's watching older generation try to cope with what's going on today. Right. It's, it, it's like a, a wave of information just hitting them crashing on them and yeah. they have to deal with it. Yeah. Where new trucks is really what it is. Because if you think about it, mm-hmm. the younger generation has already has been thrown into the pool and learned how to swim. The That's older, good. older generation has you know sat inside the pool and kept their legs in there and just watched it. Now but they're they, not natives to the technical world. Now in the they same have way. to learn how to swim right. and they're having trouble with it because they they're older, they're they're unsure of what to, to to hand, how to handle it. Right. And the other problem I, I, I've, I've watched over the years is the older generation that's now just getting on the internet. Yes, there are still people just getting on the internet. Wow. They're seeing what they see and they're believing what they read. So an article that they read, let's say, you know, guaranteed 100% Trump's going to be the next president. They will believe that because they read it on the internet. Yeah, and of course at the time it was the exact opposite in the 2016 election. Right. Well, it was and by the way, those weren't just like people writing fake news stories. Those were that was the establishment believed that Trump had no chance or whatever. Nate Silver maybe gave him 11% and people were crazy. About right, but this goes back to, you know, the very beginning of what we talked about how Yeah. the internet and the instant information dump yep. is changing the way people think. That's right. It's it's steering them to think a certain way where we, we talked about how, you know, Russia may have something to do with the election. I'm not going to say they did or didn't. I think it's pretty well established that they did. But it's pot. It's that doesn't mean Trump was colluding. I'm just saying that the Internet Research Agency and their bots and everything were intended to move social media and therefore move the needle. Now, I don't think that that decided the election. It probably right. didn't. But, yeah, they were involved. Sure, we'll go with that. Yeah, copy. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Older brother, always correcting his younger brother. I know. i, I got to get rid of that. No, you're kind Someday. of going along with it. But back to my what I was saying with the older generation, reading what they said, it also goes along with the younger generation who don't know any better and believe everything they read on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, what have you. Right. So if... Let's just say blue is now red, and that's published everywhere. People will then believe blue is now red. It, the internet has such a, not internet, but the information technology has such an influence on our lives. Yeah. If you beat it hard enough into someone, they will just accept it. That's. So it's the yeah. same story over, and they check different websites, different websites, and it's the same information. It sort of changes your perspective on what. Your brain should be saying this is true or not mm-hmm. to it just accepting what someone else has told you. Okay, so so let's do that. Let's let's close there because that's its own whole thread. And then I wrote the book, or I'm finishing my edits for the book Horizon Zero, significantly about the brain dimensions of that change 
and its relationship to generational change. In other words, everyone has a brain, all generations do, right. but the differences in perception and the speed with which we have to come up to speed, the speed with which we have to come, how fast we have to come up to speed on an issue to be conversant in it, makes the generation gap different. When all of your friends are technically astute and not politically savvy per se the way sort of the old guard are where they would read reflect have a critical perspective yes. that gap is like a real challenge like people who are used to internet speed and i want to have something to, clever to say so i find out what's being said pull the basic facts and now i can go talk about it or tweet about it as opposed to the older generation took their time what they did have as a strength i think is a sense of history they read books they were used to arguments texts interpretation as a slower moving process well, not mediated mediated by the digital world what i have noticed is we'll misinterpret the information and be convinced that they're right because of the little pieces of information that you're talking about right and have an argument with someone who hasn't done the research and think that they're right when in fact they're wrong and just misread what it said right not it's, malicious not but malicious, just, no, no not malicious yeah. at all it's just they yeah. convinced themselves they were right because of the little information that they had, maybe sped through the article instead of right. actually thinking about the article and seeing if maybe that's not necessarily it's untrue, but find out yeah. if it is a person's opinion or if it's actual factual. Right. They'll just take it as fact. And that's the biggest diversity I see now is the instant gratification of social media, people posting articles on Facebook that aren't necessarily... Yeah, they could uh, be planned, they could be fake news, could be bots. Well, they're could be biased, any, right. Yeah, they're biased. They're certainly biased. And so they're going to believe the bias as factual and then convince themselves that that's the fact, which yeah. is the bias. That's so. good. Well, let's close here then. So a reflection that I have building, even as we talk, on the speed of the Internet and the speed of nature, for example. Nature adapts slowly generationally in its own way, right? Like, I think that's what natural selection... Whether you agree with parts of the theory of evolution, I think it should be obvious that natural selection happens generation by generation in the animal kingdom as creatures adapt. So, let's just take that principle. We're all going to start to adapt to the environment, the digital environment that we're in. How do you... How do we as parents and citizens formed by institutions like the Marine Corps or the family or whatever you as a listener know in your heart made you the kind of person you are. What do we do about internet speed? How do we slow down the brain's process of, I want to have something to say, I want to read the minimum, I want to get on with this article, forget the critical process, convince myself, like you said, that this is true, and then be about, back about my business. How do you shortcut that among our kids? Slow them down to be critical thinkers, in your opinion. Well, cut down the screen time significantly. Yeah. Uh, have set times. You can. Kids are habitual. So if you set them a certain time, let's say they come home from school, they do homework, and they have an hour of screen time, you do that on a constant basis, they can become used yeah, to it. that's right. And able to... Normalize it normalize within a band. It. Right, but then you also speak with them outside of that, let's say, hour of screen time and talk to them about what's going on in the world or talk to them about what problems they're having in school. That way that forces them to think about, okay, I didn't have such a bad day. You know, I came home mad or upset and, I, you know, I'm crying about this. What are you really crying about? Are you really crying about because you didn't get to play with your friend today or are you crying about because someone tried to beat you up? So right. Think about... So helping them interpret their life situation day by day to offset what screens will tell them to do or right. their digital habits will sort of lead them to do. Right. You read an article, you know, don't listen to your mommy. Your mommy doesn't know any better. You, you may find that article out there and the kid may read that and then yeah. take that as... Certainly subtly, right? Like just the influence of peers versus mom and dad. Right. They're going to get... I mean, every generation gets that. Yeah. You're not, not going to get away from that. But right. Talk with your kids and, and try to. They're going to speak to you if you listen. That's the other fact I, I, yeah. or other problem I, I've seen. I, I've watched other parents interact with their kids just observing. Do this. Go to the mall. Go find mm -hmm. your local mall. Go find a chair and just watch. You're going to see that there's no communication between the parent and child. The child's going to be walking around with a cell phone in their hand. 
You see this frequently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The child's going to ask for something. Mom or dad's going to shoo him away. Say, you know, go back to playing your, your video game. Let mommy or daddy be. There's no more mm. interaction anymore. It's sad. I, I, I will sit there and go to the mall and, and watch just people. I know it sounds kind of creepish, but it's interesting to watch the dynamic. I remember when I went to the mall with mom and dad, they would hold my hand and ask me what I thought about something. Probably when you're like 15 or 16, right? Well, <laughs> sorry, keep hold going. my hand, I would be younger, but they would take me to the mall when I was 15 or 16, and they would ask me, you know, what do you think about those clothes? It would just be interaction. Right. There's no more interaction anymore. It's, it's hmm. here, kid, here's a device, shut up and leave me alone. Hmm. That's how parenting is today. We need to bring ourselves back to talking with our kids, sitting down with them, find out what's going on with their lives, because the acting out may be a cry for help. That's good, man. It's not shut up, here's the device, because you're crying. It's find out why they're crying. Kids don't cry without a reason. It may be a really silly reason, but there's a reason behind it. Mm-hmm. Kids' emotions are a cry for help, whether it's happiness or sadness. Talk with your kid. Ask what's going on with their lives. That's good. If there's an issue, then figure it out. But don't avoid it. That's the other problem is parents today being in their 30s, not older or younger, but really yeah. 30s and younger, I'm watching. They, just, they don't want to be parents. They want to have kids but not be parents. Wow. And it's sad to watch that. Well, I hope that's only at the malls. I, I do see parents <laughs> highly engaged as well as that, too. And I, I, I see both sides. But when I do see that, and I think you're right, like, right, that's, that stands out. All the other examples are what should be happening, so it doesn't stand out. This is a disruptive event in sort of, a, I think, American life is the mediated parenting. Here's a screen. Go do your thing. I have my social media platform to build, or I have my side of the, sort of my life that's outside of work and family to cultivate. I think that's a real, that's probably a real tendency for parents too and then certainly they're not going to be cyber vigilant if you will if that's their mentality those are manipulable people from a foreign and asset standpoint so let's finish here because we're i was hoping to have a pretty simple conversation and as always bro you took it to much deeper and it's much better for it Um, but when you think now you served Mm -hmm. you came home right like many folks who served and came home you had to have a different perspective. What have I fought for? What is what? What would be in a snapshot perspective? I know you could talk a lot about this, and, and maybe in the future we'll give you a chance to do that because it's important. What did you and your comrades fight for America to become in the digital age, specifically a digital age that maybe isn't as consumed with the post 9-11 war on terror and now China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, others are, through information warfare, engaging our world, our country directly. We know this. What, what would you say you fought for and you would pass on as that kid who figured it out on his own? How do we find our way through this world we're in where we've brought into our families these devices that are manipulable from very powerful countries and we're kind of not thinking about that we're kind of talking about our cell phones and our convenience and our printers and all the other thing parts of it well, not well, the that, world that's that where your problem into. is you're not thinking you have okay. to think about how what you are a product nothing is free think about using google.com you're searching for free right they're going to use that information against you in any way, shape, or form. So against you. Let's pull that out. They're going to use that information for their bottom line. For their bottom line. Yeah. You are the product. So using these these free applications, there's a reason why there's advertising. There's reasons yeah. why, at least on Android, it says it needs access to your phone contacts, your GPS location. Right. Uh, your, Apple's your, like that. Well, what I'm getting at is, is Android actually pops up a screen and says, yeah. I need this, 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 and this in right. order to play this game. Well, there's analytics in there yep. to find out where you are, what you're doing, how we can change the advertising, like you're saying, for the, for the, yeah. the other countries, of how to persuade you to think that they, yeah. the way that they want you to think. If they put on an advertisement that says yeah. that, that Trump is the worst person in the world and they keep pushing that on you, you may not consciously realize 
that you're taking the information in, but you're subconsciously taking the information in. Mm-hmm. And over time, you see it over and over and over. You're just gonna that's gonna be normalized, for right? You. So it's back when the movie theaters came out, like long, long time ago. Every so often, they would put a quick little you know drink on the screen, right? Yeah, I remember that, right? That made you thirsty, or they threw a popcorn that made you yeah. hungry. It's subliminal information. Yep. Uh, subliminal warfare. You can go, you know, with yeah, that. Sure. So constantly feeding that on the people is going to cause you to think certain ways, and then you don't realize if you really take a step back and go, "Wow, why did I vote for Trump?" Or why did I vote for the? Uh, not saying anything against Trump. Let's say uh, yeah, Bush it, and, and, and yeah. Obama. Why right. did I vote for either one of them? You know, it's and they didn't run against each other, but yeah, each. Oh, right, each of their each of their electoral cycles. Right. Right. Why Why did I vote for them? Was that was that me thinking, or was that me being persuaded to think? So that's it, man. That's where we're going to wrap this episode up. Um, coming straight from the home front, institutions in our country, if they're going to catch up with digital, catch up with how people think and their ability to discern the way their information's being used and the way all of our digital habits are creating a global environment that's manipulable. Manipulable. New word. It is a... Big world, <laughs> yeah. It is a world that we're living in that now the strategic and the practical are fused. And that's the horizon zero. It's a place. That's why we're in here in this conversation. And I invite everybody to check out IT, Ask IT Matt on WDEL radio. Yep. And we'll be back here for a future installment. Until then, Matt, what do you have to say to uh, close us out? Uh, just keep safe out there it's a dangerous you know internet world uh, don't let anyone persuade you to do something you don't want to do or if you feel uncomfortable you know leave it alone don't pursue it and uh, if you have any questions about anything talk to someone you know who works or who lives in that type of world to find out if that's really where you want to be that's good you heard it from my kid brother, folks. Second episode, Horizon Zero, coming to you straight from Sebago Lake. Out. Out.